going on, guys? This is Ring of Honor star Shane Taylor, and you're listening to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for your time and your efforts. And we do welcome a very special guest with us this week, Ring of Honor's Shane Taylor. Thank you, Mr. Taylor, for your time and your energy. Well, of course, man. Thank you, thank you for having me. Um, maybe if you could share with uh, for fans your early inspiration and your inspiration to compete, what motivated that in you and, and why it was something that you wanted to do? Um, like a lot of guys, uh, professional wrestling was something that uh, allowed me to have an escape from my normal life. You know, growing up on the east side of Cleveland, Ohio, uh, it's been well documented my history um, just growing up in a very, very rough neighborhood um, where people like myself can quickly become statistics and be um, kind of lost uh, in society. P- professional wrestling was something that always uh, bonded myself and my family. It was something that we all uh, kind of uh, gathered around and enjoyed. So it was always it was always something I dreamed of doing. Um, after college and all of that, uh, wrestling and doing everything that I did there, um, I wanted to take that chance. I wanted to take the opportunity to fulfill a lifelong dream like so many others. Uh, you had said that uh, it was something that bonded you and your family. What was it about? What was it about it per se that maybe bonded you, brought you closer together? Uh, just the ability to congregate, like, um, we would watch pay-per-views, um, and, you know, we didn't have a lot of money. We would always, uh, like, each house, I, I, I had a few aunts and uncles that lived around the corner, uh, so each house would get, like, one pay-per-view a year, and we would just get there uh, and go as a family and kind of just watch it. Um, and, and, and a city like Cleveland, you know, just being around family and just having that, uh, having that time to, together brings you closer. So um, just, do, just doing that along with the other day-to-day stuff was, was how we did it. That's outstanding. Um, you know, growing up, you I'm sure everybody kind of has their favorites or even their preferences, but um, seeing as that you're open to different types of wrestling, what was it or who was it that you maybe watched and caught your eye, really inspired you? Uh, from a physical from a physical uh, standpoint, guys like Vader, Stan Hansen, uh, guys that were never really the bodybuilder type, but were just big, strong dudes uh, that would just go out and beat folks up, was something that I always admired because you know I, I'm not about to have a 12 pack anytime soon. <laughs> uh, but just to see those guys uh, and their athleticism and the way they moved, and, and Vader for being well over 300 pounds. Uh, to be able to do moonsaults and things like that, and guys like Ban Ban as well, uh, to be super agile, super athletic, um, make the most of their size, um, and still have that tremendous presence of, of being, you know, this monster guy was something that I always try to um, emulate, as well as guys like Taker. When you look at and when you talk presence, um, the guy walks out the stage and every eye turns to him, you know, so um, commanding that presence, commanding that stage and owning um, and owning the room is something that uh, 
I that I still try to work on it this day. Um, do you think that in today's audience, it, it's harder to try and convince fans that um, that a guy the size of Shane Taylor can go, uh, or they're much more educated and they're not close-minded to that? Um, what's what's been the gamut that maybe you've run across? Uh, I think fans, uh, and, and it's a tough question because there are a lot of fans out there that uh, take things at face value and just assume that because you look a certain way that, that you have to do certain things that you can't do certain things. And I think that for guys with the ability to um, sort of defy those expectations, the this guy is the limit. You look at a guy, for example, like uh, like, like, like my boy Keith Lee, uh, who, who can go out there and not only is he doing planches, not only is he doing topes, not only is he, you know, doing hurricane runners and things of that sort, but he's doing a lot of things that traditionally you don't see guys of that size do. Uh, so when people see that, uh, it's an automatic, you know, jaw-dropping, eye-pop-out eye moment. Um, and for the guys that have the ability to do those things, um, in this day and age of professional wrestling, you can almost write your own ticket. Mm. Outstanding. Uh, now, for, for those that maybe aren't familiar, you know, there, you did say, you know, everyone's got a story and yours um, had some challenges, but you've moved past that. But once it came to actually wrestling, um, what would you say your early development in Texas, what did you walk away from? So, you know, uh, I'm not going to say rumors and innuendo. I think there's another guy that does that, um, that will tend to use the terms uh, or training under Ray Rowe or Bill Collier or Jack Stane, Jay Rock. What did you walk away from in each of those experiences and working with those guys? Uh, each of those guys brought, you know, so much different stuff to the table when you talk about a guy like Jay Rock, uh, his mind for wrestling and then his ideas on. Um, how things go as far as character stuff um, were things that you know that, that he still teaches me now. Um, and you look at a guy like like Ray Rowe, um, the things I learned from from him as far as technique and positioning and um, where to stand, how to stand, how to guard my steps, how to preserve my size um, are, are things that he'll that he'll still watch my matches and be like, hey, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. that's, that's what I love uh, because I am, I, I try my very best to be a student of the game and to continually work to get better. And so having guys like that in your corner that will give it to you straight no matter what uh, because they want what's best for you uh, is something that I love. You know, and uh, when you have guys like Bill Collier as well who, uh, just physically, and you know, present such a such great competition to push you to get better. Um, you can't help but all up your game each time you're in the ring with those guys or around those guys. So, uh, very very fortunate to have guys like that uh, in my corner. Uh, because you've taken from everybody, and they've all added to to your success philosophically do you lend yourself like following the beliefs of all of them or would you say you gravitate more so with one but respect another what would your take on all that happen to be my um wait my take on your your philosophical beliefs when it comes to wrestling yeah 
Um, uh, Did he grab I'm pretty you? open to a lot, a lot of things. There's, there's like wrestling to me is like math. You know, there's, there's, there's ways to do things, and then there's ways to defy those old rules. You know what I mean? So, as long as someone can come up with something that gets the job done, and that being, you know, it gets the fans to invest into them, and they're successful. And I mean, you can do what you want as long as it works. Um, so that's my my angle on it: is do what works. Okay, no doubt. Um, and I'm sure you're coming across different perspectives as the, the further along you go along when it comes to training and developing, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's guys that you know uh, think that you know. The older school ways are are the best ways to do things, and um, and they're entitled to their opinions and their beliefs because they've done it and they've been successful. But then you have guys that you know are very much entrenched in the new style of doing things who are also successful. So again, it it really just goes back to doing what works for you um, and what gets the people to love or hate you. Why do you think that might have been so critical, or, or, or some of today's that are, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, you experienced it, but they they seem to harbor on a new philosophy or a new belief that's proving to be successful too. Mm-hmm. I I mean I think it ultimately just comes down to experience, you know, experience in. Um, the older school days of wrestling versus the new, you know, when you're, you're dealing with society, that's different now. You know, mm-hmm. people's attention spans are shorter now than they were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. So I, so I think the, the game is just faster, you know, um, and you can see that across all sports, not just wrestling. You know, when you look at basketball, now all the highlights are threes and dunks, you know what I mean? Like there's very few people that love a good defensive basketball game full of, you know, post-play and mid-range jump shots. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, no, you're it's, right. It, it, it's all, you know, highlight reels, dunks, and, and three half-court three-pointers and, and things that make people go ooh and ah. So um, I think it's it, 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 it's more so just wrestling sort of um, conforming to that model in society. Now, yeah. that's not to say that, um, you know, old old school ways still don't work because they absolutely do. I, I think one once again, it just depends on your experience and where you're at and the crowds that you're in front of. Yeah, uh, good perspective. Um, uh, part of me is that when you mention the the basketball or make the basketball analogy, I, I tend to fear sometimes, like at least in me, you know, if you, you see a dunk a hundred times, does it lose its value? It's still really cool when Michael Jordan does it, um, mm-hmm. but I mean. Is it is it still as much, or even the slam dunk contest? Like, those are the things where how do you evolve? How do you grow? And I guess that's where today's envelope keeps getting pushed. So, oh, of course. I mean, I like for for example, I just saw a clip of somebody doing like a shooting star DDT, and I'm like, how do you how do you get something better than that? Like, <laughs> like how do you up the game from that? You know what I mean? Um, and that's, I mean, that that presents the crazy and unique challenge of what we do because uh, someone's going to up the game. You know, there's always going to be someone out there innovating. There's going to be uh, 
um, guys just doing crazy stuff that you never thought you'd ever see. Um, so um, it, it presents a very unique challenge um, and one that um, only time will tell if we can continue to keep pushing the envelope or if guys go, all right, now it's really getting out of control. Let, let, let's um, rein it in a little bit. But, I mean, as long as it's putting people in seats and they're doing what they got to do, then, hey, I'm all for it. Oh, no doubt. I mean, uh, you, you look at some of the Japanese talent and are able to, to do it for as long as they are and how they're able to maintain that, um, like, a, like a Tanahashi mm-hmm. and, and the beating that they take. And they're mm-hmm. still right there. They're still able to persevere and go through that. It's just a marvel. It's a marvel. Oh, oh for sure. I mean, and, and congratulations to uh, Tana for winning the, the G1 as well. I mean, just an incredible, incredible run, you know, and and that's a great example of a guy that's just been doing his things for years now, you know, and just seems to always just get better each and every year. And, you know, he's, he's an inspiring guy uh, to, uh, to myself and to so many others. I have to ask, where did the notorious nickname come from? Inspired uh, by came from. Uh, well, it, it came from the years of me li- uh, living in Cleveland and uh, being on a not so great path. Um, just a lot of fights and things of that sort, and my mindset and hey, and, and my um, recklessness sort of to kind of be a down for whatever, whenever sort of guy. Um, and, uh, that, that led to, um, a lot of people knowing who I am, uh, and not always for the right reasons. So, um, that, that, that's sort of where that came from. Okay. Okay. You know, the, the more ignorant side of me would have said, you know, is he a music fan? Did he, do you like Benny Smalls? Yeah. (laughs) Hey man, I mean, like, like I said, like you had growing up in Cleveland, you had to, um, you had to have a different mindset mm-hmm. than your average person. And that it's not to say that it's a glorification of those things because it's not, I'm not proud of a, of anything that I did during that time of my life, but, uh, you have, you have to survive, you know, yeah. you have to, you have to keep going. Well, you've definitely shown the perseverance. You're stronger. You're a better person. I mean, you, you're a father, um, you definitely have a different perspective and a mindset on on things now, as opposed to, um, and you have to, you, have, you, you know, everyone has to sometimes see what else is out there, um, and uh, it takes a lot of strength, and uh, we commend you for that. Uh, well, thank you, and like you said, yeah, I mean, being being a father now has definitely opened my eyes to a lot of things, and you know, now I have something to live for and someone to live for, and. Um, now I do my very best to sort of set the example of, um, of what not to do, you know, and, and give kids like me someone to look to, to be able to say, okay, there's another way to do this. You know, I don't have to act like this. I don't have to, you know, stay in this same cycle of, um, craziness that gets promoted to me on a daily basis. You know, I can, um, I can take the pro wrestling route or I, I can take this route and still be successful. 
you know. So ultimately, at the end of the day, that's my goal is to be able to uh, inspire kids like myself um, that come from not-so-great areas to uh, rise above their conditions and, and, and change their lives for the better. And you're doing that, and you've taken your initial um, uh, interest as a family in wrestling, and you turn that into a profession. Um, and we've, you know, we touched upon a little bit earlier about agility, mobility um, being so key. What would you say has been a contributing factor for you to be able to maintain that agility and mobility uh, throughout your career? Well, just just different ways of training. Uh, uh, going from trying to be, you know, try, trying to power lift to doing lighter weight training, uh, uh, switching up uh, just normal cardio to doing like kick like kickboxing and, and boxing and things of that sort. Things that I've that I've done my entire life. But what really started to focus on as far as uh, not just going to work out, but, but actually training specific things, you know, training explosion and flexibility and things of that sort. So um, all, of those, all of those things have contributed to me um, keeping that agility and improving it over my career. So that varying in weights is what helps the flexibility and helps you maintain that? Yeah. And 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 also just keeping myself uh, conditioned and, and ready to um, do whatever I have to do uh, to uh, to expand my game. I want to be able to go in there with any opponent um, and give a great performance. So um, what I'm going what I'm going to need if I'm in the ring with a Keith Lee is going to be different than what I'm going to need if I'm in there with a Will Osprey. You know, so I, I want to be ready to do all of those things at a moment's notice. Uh, interesting, because, you know, you you said um, Keith Lee and you, and you mentioned Will Ospreay. Um, I had the opportunity to, to speak to Flip Gordon um, a little while ago, and I had asked yeah. him, I said, you know, who would you, if you could match up with anybody, who do you think would be someone you'd want to match up with? And he mentioned Shane Taylor. And... Um, I think that would be quite interesting as well. Have you two had that opportunity um, to square off and, and face each other? We have. We have. We have. Uh, a few months ago, uh, we had a singles match to determine the number one contender for the Ring of Honor TV title, and uh, Flip Gordon came out on top of that one. He's a very resilient dude, you know. So, uh, But I am looking forward to a, to a rematch with Flip. Um, so... I, I'd be down for that as well. Um, but yeah, he's an incredible guy, uh, great competitor, and he's you know been highly success, successful. Excuse me. Um, I think he just re-signed a two-year deal with ROH, if I'm not mistaken. So, congrats to him on that. And uh, you know, there's there's nothing but big things ahead of him. Yep. Uh, yeah, we when we had spoken, you hadn't met. I don't think at that point. I think this was December. Um, so at that point, uh, so if you're saying it's a couple months ago, yeah, this was before that opportunity came up. So, um, I, if you, anyone hasn't seen it, uh, search up Shane Taylor, Flip Gordon. I'm sure it's pretty exciting to watch. Uh, the pretty oh, big, yeah, it was <laughs> you said he showed resilience, but you know, Shane has to get his, his due. He's got to, he's got to get a chance to come back in there and, and square off with them. Uh, 
the Pretty Big Killers uh, burst out and scene in Texas, then transitioned over into Ring of Honor. Two massive guys. How did the pairing with yourself and Keith Lee all come about? Um, and, you know, why did it come to an end? Uh, it's the Pretty Boy Killers. Um, pretty Boy Killers, yeah, my bad. Yes, 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 okay. Um, and that tag team formed uh, from a mutual um, want from Keith and myself to um, make a splash in pro wrestling. We, we were both doing okay mm-hmm. as singles guys, and, and, and we were uh, doing our, our thing in Texas, and we talked and uh, decided there's not many people that look like us that can do what we do, and while... Separately, we're, we're, we're doing well. We think that we can really make a splash together, and we did that. You know, our goal was for us to both get jobs um, and contracts in pro wrestling. Um, and when we started in Ring of Honor, um, we, we, we were doing great, great stuff. Some different opportunities came for him as a result of that and the independent work that he was doing. And um, he decided that, you know, what was best for him and his family was to go that route, and I support him in that because look at where he is now. You know, he, he, he bet on himself, and it was the right call, um, and now he just made his NXT debut. He's gone all over the world putting on incredible matches with, you know, Suzuki and Ishii and, and uh, Zack Sabre, and just, you know, he's been absolutely killing it, so I, I couldn't be prouder of him. Uh, when you were together, if there was a, a match pairing that you had against another team, which one would you say um, either stood out or maybe didn't stand out, but to you it kind of flew under the radar and was deceptively very good? It's almost like a two-fold question. Um, I think all of our matches with War Machine were matches that I don't think people thought were going to be as good as they were. Mm-hmm. I don't think people thought the rivalry w- was going to be as good as it was. Um, but I think that's an example of um, what all of us bring to, to the table. And, and, you know, War Raiders now, as, as they're known in NXT, but I think the drive of all four of us to go out there and kind of have a chip on our shoulder and prove to... Um, ring up on our fans, officials, the brass, and whoever else was watching across the world that we're four guys that, that, that are going to go out there and try to steal the show every time we're in the ring. And so when you got both of us together, um, both teams rather, um, it was excitement and it was brutality and it was hard hitting, you know, and it was something that, that people loved to watch. Um, oftentimes, you know, you, you work best with people that you trust and you know. Could uh, could a contributing factor to the success be your your past relationship with Ray Rowe? Oh, all of my success can be a trade <laughs> to Ray Rowe. Uh, I mean, the guy the guy has taught me, you know, damn near everything uh, that I know. Um, and to go out there and my and my personal drive to um, always prove people right when they back me, uh, to prove to them that their investment was worth it, uh, is something that drives me every single day, um, as well as to prove those who 
didn't invest, but they're absolutely stupid for not doing so. Um, so um, the success that I gather in anything that I do is going to be a, a direct result of wanting to prove him right, want, wanting to prove uh, right so many people that have stood in, in my corner and, and backed me. So um, that, that that's always going to be a thing for me going forward. Uh, did you ever ask Ray what it was that he saw in you to have so much faith in you to, to uh, be successful? The the truth that is, uh, he saw a guy that was willing to listen. Uh, he saw a guy that was willing to be coached and willing to um, do what what it took to get better. I don't think he had any sort of uh, expectations on what I would do or how successful I would be. I think he initially said, okay, I'll help you. Let's see if you listen. Um, and I did. And once he saw that, then, um, we started to train together. Uh, we started to get closer. Um, uh, now he's closer to me than, you know, almost any, anyone in the world, you know, uh, blood couldn't make us, um, any closer, you know, the guy's my big brother, and uh, he's always been there for a play thing that that I that I needed or wanted. Uh, now, after Keith went off, did his own thing, had to look out for himself. Um, Shane tends to have to rediscover, or reinvent himself a little bit now because the the team is is dissipating. You're s- developing as a singles wrestler. Um, did you find that that transition was easy or, um, it, it was seamless, um, that the way it was communicated was effective to ring of honor of our audiences? Uh, yeah, it's a tricky one now. <laughs> <laughs> Let me try to, try to dodge this minefield of questions. <laughs> um, the... I think there are a lot of things that get lost in the shuffle when you've got so many guys that, 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 that you're trying to create stars out of. There's not enough time to explain everything the perfect way, you know? So, um, I think for me, it's just a situation of, uh, trying to break away from the pack and, and figuring out a way to, to do that. That's easily told, to audiences that makes it easier on on production or whoever else, you know, to be able to convey that and also the ability of letting me just go out and do what I do, you know. Um, I, I'm a guy that works best uh, with no restraints, you know, just let me go out there and, and be me. Um, that's, you know, that's all the attitude, that's all the aggression, that's all the, all the things that, um, make me, you know, who I am. And in places where I've been allowed to do that and have been allowed to convey that to to fans, I've been successful. Uh, so, so I think that's the that's the thing that's going to make me successful in Ring of Honor is having the ability to do that and having the ability uh, to go out there and just be me. Fair enough. Outstanding. Um, and, and though you know that transition did lend itself to working collectively as part of a faction, uh, the rebellion, uh, that opportunity came about. Um, how did you find that that time working with that collection of talent um, 
as a unit um, worked out for you, how it helped you or helped make you a better performer? Uh, when when you're working with guys like Caprice Coleman, Cap- uh, excuse me, Caprice Coleman, Kenny King, Red Titus, um, there's so much so much experience there. They've uh, seen they've seen most of it. You know what I mean? They've done most of it. Uh, so the ability to pick their brains on, on things um, is, is something that I value. Uh, is something that helped me tremendously. Um, just knowing. Um, when in certain situations, when to do something, when not to do something, um, how to make the most out of the moments that I have. Um, and, those, and those are things that they still teach me about, that, that, that they still work with me on. Um, so having those guys in my corner as well has been tremendous. You know, very, very proud of Caprice and Kenny and Red, of the things that they're doing now. You know, Kenny making it, you know, worldwide buzz with the bachelorette and 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 the the things that that he's doing now and caprice with not only doing in in ring work but commentary and the pulpit and just doing anything that's asked of him um when when he says things like he's the most versatile guy in roh you know he's not really lying because he is um so having those guys uh in my ear and, and in my corner has been super helpful Fantastic. And no, you're not a jive turkey. No, not at all. <laughs> uh, Ring of Honor is about to embark on a, um, a second tour of the UK um, being uh, reunited. Um, discuss, yes. okay, so discuss if you could the differences that you found in, challenge, in, in competing in front of different crowds. You've got a UK crowd, you may have a, um, a very different, passionate, U.S.-based audience, and it might even vary from city to city. Um, have you noticed any similarities or differences between the audiences? Of course. I, I think um, when you look at the fan bases and what they expect and what they do during the shows, a lot of fans that we have um, have a standard that they want to see, that they've come to expect from Ring of Honor, you know, for uh, following us for 16 years now. Um, and, and so they tend to want to be, want, want to sit back and be impressed. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to, um, UK crowds where they're generally just there to have a good time, be rowdy, you know, and, and, and interact with you, um, and really feel like they're a part of the show. Um, they'll go out there and, 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 and the chants and the songs and the energy, uh, really makes it feel um, uh, like a not necessarily a party, but a but a but a big, uh, big event. You know, it, it it it's exciting, and not to say that it's not exciting to perform in front of fans here in the U.S. because it absolutely is. Uh, but it, it there's just there's just a difference in the energy, mm-hmm. um, and when you feel that, uh, it's something that can't really be duplicated anywhere else um so while while it's different neither one is better than the other it's just a different vibe and a different feeling um and i guess that's where you do you tater your offense based off of your environment per se 
So if, oh, for sure. Yeah, if you got that energy, you go yeah. Anywhere, yeah, you 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 change up your game depending on where you're at. You know, crowds in New York are are going to be different than crowds in Tennessee. You know, so uh, and, and crowds in Florida are going to be different than crowds in Dublin. You know what I mean? So yeah, sure. uh, you 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 kind of just adjust your game to where you're at, and uh, hopefully, what you give them is what they want. Um, before we do let you go. Uh, Shane, this has been really eye-opening because you know there's a lot of stories to be told, stories to be told, and uh, your experience has really lent itself to not just life but wrestling as well. Um, what does the balance of 2018 and beyond have in store for Shane Taylor? Wow, the balance of the 2018 and beyond is hopefully me continuing to do what I've done you know, this past few years, and that's continued to uh, make my presence on a national and international stage. Um, got a big tour of the U.K. coming at the end of October, um, so I'm very excited about that, about being able to work with some of the uh, big companies there um, and, and really sort of take that next step as far as uh, creating that buzz, you know, around the world that um, I am one of, the best performers in the world. So um, that's what's on the agenda for me. And, of course, next year positioning myself to be on the Ring of Honor Madison Square Garden G1 Super Show with New Japan Pro Wrestling and really um, making a statement during that event as well. Uh, All eyes are going to be on that, and I want to make sure that uh, the name that people remember and the name that people are, are talking about come the end of that night is Shane Taylor. Outstanding. Uh, Shane, before we let you go, we are, we do something here on Pro Wrestling Post, and it's really always up to the guest, uh, so please don't feel as though you have to, but we were curious if you'd like to take part in a little game. Sure. Okay, so the game is called Wrestling Tinder. Um much like regular... Oh, damn. Okay. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, always get a chuckle when I mention the, the name of it. Uh, when Much like regular Tinder, if you're interested in the topic, you can swipe right. If you're not interested, you swipe left. Um, gotcha. And you know, we'll throw it out there. Um, I could really be opening myself out. You're a Cleveland um, resident. Uh, I'm here based in Toronto. You know, we could have some sparse words with one another, but I won't. But I will say this time maybe we leave it open, um, not necessarily just wrestling, but maybe life, sports. Uh, yep. LeBron James. If you're we interested, can swipe right on that. Okay, fair ahead. Go ahead, share. LeBron James. For those that you know, hate the guy, love the guy, whatever. You can't ask for a better ambassador to your sport. Um, to me, greatness isn't just about what you do, you know, during the game. It's not about what you do on the court or in the ring. Greatness is about your impact and your reach um, in society. Uh, you can do whatever you want on the court, and success there is great. Um, but if you're not making the world better, using your platform, you're wasting time, in my opinion. So 
when you have a guy like LeBron James who's won the championships, who has the MVPs, who's done everything that he's been asked to do, fulfilled every um, promise that he's made, and then continues to go out and gives $40 million for education, puts thousands of kids through college, creates his own school, and is sending people uh, to college there to help them get out of the environment that he grew up in. I mean, that to me is what makes him great. And whether he does it in Cleveland, Miami, Cleveland again, L.A., wherever he does it, I don't care. Um, that to me is what greatness is, not six championships, not any of that. Um, you, you can be the most selfish guy in the world and be the greatest in your sport. That doesn't make you the greatest of all time. Hard to argue with that. Um, one last uh, wrestling Tinder question. Uh, this one's a little more based off Soro. Um, wrestling world is a little bit mourning more so today. Um, and you talked about you know how you were drawn to uh, wrestlers that were larger and showed such agility. Uh, Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Um, opinions either left or right. Uh, we we can swipe right on, on that as well. Sure. You know, uh, I was very very saddened to hear about his passing and and prayers and thoughts go out to his family and his daughter, um, and and him being a guy that I watched growing up. You know, Heart Foundation and, and just I, I really loved his energy and he always just seemed like he was having a good time. You know, he seemed a little crazy, but in a good way. You know, like he'd be a guy that would be the life of the party. And, anywhere that he'd go. So um, we lost a great one with him. So, uh, again, it's just very, very sad to, to hear that. But uh, the legacy that, that he left is going to be one that lives on for a very, very long time. No question. On behalf of Shane Taylor, notorious Shane Taylor, this is Mark Madison sure. for the Pro Wrestling Post podcast.